Father, we just come to you, Lord. We love you. We know you love us. We need to hear from you so that we know exactly what we need to do. Sometimes we need to do nothing. And all we need to do for that is to hear from you. Even to be still, we need to hear a word from you, Lord. To move, we need to hear from you. To do, we need to hear from you. To do nothing, we need to hear from you. To climb the Mount Carmel, Elijah had to hear from you. To sit still at Kiriath, he had to hear from you. Help us to hear, Lord. Because everything comes from hearing. And hearing the word and the voice of God. So speak to us this morning, Lord. Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So yes, as we go, Spirit of the Lord says, all those who have ears, let them hear what the Spirit says. So fundamental two propositions God's word puts before us. My just, first we have to hear, to be justified. And believe only in the work of God through his son. And we are justified. My righteous, my just shall live by faith. And then he says the work of God from the beginning till the end shall be by grace and grace alone. The cornerstone and the capstone. Everything God did and everything God does, he does through his son. He calls him the word and through his spirit that calls him his power. Both separate entities in the Trinity. It's through the word and the spirit. And God says, nothing shall be different in my kids' lives. It shall be by the word and by the spirit. And everything else that is not will be burned up. So if you want to put in terms in which we understand, let's look simply as word as an idea and spirit as a power. And you and I live it out. The idea is God's, the power is God's, and the glory is God's. That's why I like that picture I put it on GTC this morning. We are vessels, and when something is seen, it is it reflects the glory of God. So Galatians 2.20 is the the words of a man of God, of all the people in the Bible, outside of Jesus Christ. One man gets the whole thing and puts a cross in one words, what is the life in the spirit? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So please keep all that in mind. Remember the messages you are hearing because it is about hearing. That is step one. So Romans 8.14, scripture says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons. When God uses a term like sons, he's not excluding daughters. Okay, he means sons and daughters. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons, the children of God. But remember, if one has to be led, you have to be willing to follow. 
and to follow, I have to hear first. You cannot be led unless you hear. So, hello, the question is, can I hear? Can I hear? We need to be very, very careful like we have a situation now in US. The question is, can anybody hear? Because when the emotions are surcharged, you and I know, I know as a pastor, by centuries, I use term centuries hyperbole. You and I know, and I know as a pastor, you cannot talk to people who are primarily controlled by emotions. You cannot talk to them. Even if they hear, ultimately the emotions take over and they will go as their emotions or feelings lead them. So in John chapter 1 and verse 12, as many as have received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. Here children actually means children, little children. What is the simple thing about children? They are controlled by emotions. They are not controlled by reason. They are controlled by emotions. It's all emotionally surcharged children. But he gives them the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name. These are not the ones who are led by God. They have to mature and become the sons and daughters of God who can hear, put their strong foot down on what they feel about it, and then they are led. But when emotions become the norm, and you cannot you are probably if you can not be even aware of it that actually emotions is a norm in your life. And then it doesn't matter what you majored in. You could have majored in Socrates, Plato and Aristotle put together. You may have a doctorate from in theology from Fuller. But if primarily you are an emotional person, you can't hear. Or even if you hear, you will still interpret it with your emotions, with your feelings. Ultimately, you still can't be led. That's whenever you will look through the Old Testament or even in the New Testament, you will see when did incredible God's men fail. It's when emotions took over. And you will see emotions are running High, it can run high at an individual level, at a family level, at groups or even nations. And problem with democracies is that when emotions run high, and that is the group that is visible. We see thousands and thousands of people on the streets of United States of America. But that's a country of 350 million people. You're seeing only a small group of people over there. But they will, because of emotions and democracy and politicians and media feeds into it, emotions will cause leaders to take action. And the problem is, when emotions run high, people do things which will look reasonable at that time. And even if it looks justified at that time, because it's popular opinion, in democracy what matters? Popular opinion. Later you will face the consequences of your actions. But it will be too late to pull back. Because you see, the law doesn't work 
upon emotions. That's why you have that picture of that woman with her eyes tied up. Law doesn't work. Now, now let's let's simply take a simple example because this will lead to more riots later. <laughs> That's what happened every time. You have George Floyd, Floyd case. Emotions are very high. You have Kate Ellison, who is the Attorney General of Minneapolis, right, uh, of that state, and first degree, second degree, whatever you want. But the problem is you are going by the feelings of the people to satisfy their appetite. But the law doesn't work that way. I'll tell you what will happen. When the case goes to court, all you need is an extremely good attorney and he will probably walk free. Because you will have to prove in court that this was premeditated murder and it was not. This is the problem. When emotions run high to satisfy the people and later what they will say, they will say a jury sat there and they were all racist and they set him free. The problem is the law doesn't work that way. The law doesn't work that way. The law doesn't work that way. And that's why people cannot go by emotions and say, look at, let's look at the whole thing. Will it stand in the court of law? Let us give the best chance that it will stand in the court of the law. So even if it is not first degree or second degree or whatever the law talks about, let us file charge sheet against him where he can actually be locked up and not walk free. This is where the problems come. Okay, And people do not realize that the individual level also, even emotionally high, you make decisions. Then what happens? Later when the consequence doesn't come in one day, <laughs> it may take months, years. And you realize when it comes, you can't pull back. Pull back. And the other issue is that when emotions run high, no dialogue is possible. Dialogue is, you cannot talk, have a dialogue in a condition, in a situation like that. And the problem is what you sow that's God's ordained law that will never change for any man or any woman or any nation. What you sow, you will reap. And often what you sow in emotions, you will sow in corruption. <laughs> what does it mean? Violence will breed more violence. And ultimately, sadly to say, I don't know how many years down the line, ultimately America has the greatest experiment of liberty and democracy, will fail. Why? Because the kingdom of God will stand. If democracy is the answer, then the kingdom of God is not the answer. So ultimately, every democratic experiment will ultimately fail because when everything is over, the kingdom of God alone will stand. The rule of one incredibly righteous, loving God, compassionate, where both grace and truth is upheld. That is the only thing that will work. And then the nations will be ruled by people who have upheld both grace and truth and learn. That's what the Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God will always maintain that balance in our life of grace and truth and truth. It will not swallow truth for grace or put aside grace for truth. It is incredibly balanced. That is where the day of righteousness is coming. So the Bible says the whole of creation is groaning for the sons of God to be manifested. <laughs> the whole, the whole of creation. But for the sons of 
God to be manifested, the sons and daughters of God have to hear and follow, irrespective of the consequences. And that's why so many of the sons of God in different generations in the Bible, you will say they're walking alone. They're walking alone. And they were okay with the consequences. They ultimately lost everything. But because they heard. So to hear, you don't have to be an apostle or a prophet or a pastor. All you have to be an obedient child of God. That's all. You don't have to have any labels. Anything of that. All you need is to be a simple child of God. Why? Because the father speaks to children. Doesn't say the Lord, thus says the Lord to his prophet. No, says the father speaks. Jesus said, this is how you need to pray. Our father, that changes everything. Because the father speaks to all his children. But all his children do not hear the father. But the father speaks to all his children. And when the father does not speak, you know, as a child, there is something wrong. And if he cannot speak to you in the way we should hear, then he speaks to us in the way we should not hear. And that's called disciplining. All he can do is discipline the child. Now, disciplining a child is in so many ways leading him in the negative way. Because disciplining itself says you cannot be led yet. You're not ready to be led. Meaning, if you join the army, the first couple of years is training. They don't send the trainees to war. Why? Because you're not ready to be led. You're not ready to the point where you will obey orders without blinking, without questioning. So you're going through the training process of being led by an officer. So disciplining is a part of it. So many, but the problem is so many children of God are under discipline for years and years and years. So the question is, can we hear? But remember one thing, God continuously spoke to his people. Over and over and over and over you hear terms like this. The word of the Lord came to me, even to Jonah. The word of the Lord came to him. And when the word of the Lord came, place, location, all that was irrelevant. You could speak to a prophet in Nineveh, a Gentile, rebellious land, under a tree, under a creeper. So location, place is all relevant. Don't ever think I need to be in this appropriate place and position, that whatever position, before I can hear God says no. I can speak to you. Question is, can you hear me? Even when you're mad, I can still speak to you. You're so mad, you're so upset. That's Jonah. But he hears. That means God speaks. Whether we are in a peaceful, blissful state or an angry, mad state, God is speaking. The question is, can we hear? So position, all location, all this. David talks about God speaking to him when he's lying in his bed. This God can speak to anyone, anywhere, anytime. So the problem is never with God not speaking. It's always with us hearing. In Luke chapter 8, last time we looked at Matthew 25 about the 
ten virgins. They were all virgins. They are all heard. But when it came to one thing, five heard, right? Five did not hear. It's about how to utilize their time in hearing continuously from the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 8, which is the parable of the sower, if you go to verse 8, 4, verse 4, scripture will say, A great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city. So there's hundreds of them. Multitude. And he's speaking to them. It's a picture. God is speaking. If you go to him, he'll speak to you. Crowds were following. So again and again he speaks. And again and again he uses parables. That one also was a parable. This is also a parable. And the entire parable is about those who hear and who do not hear. In verse 11, it's very, very clear. He's talking about hearing. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The seed is God speaking. Don't talk about the written word of God. It's not talking about that. It's talking about God speaking. The written word of God, everybody carries. Even Trump carried. And some of the criticism was justified. That's one mistake he made. Should have gone there. Should have carried a Bible. Because whenever he opens his mouth, it's very clear he doesn't read the Bible. So you have to be very careful about this stuff which you do. Very, very careful. Lincoln carried a Bible. Everybody knows. That man knows his Bible. But Trump carries a Bible. We may admire his resilience and courage and boldness, but we know he doesn't know his Bible. Okay? So it's not talking about <laughs> reading your Bible. Okay? It is talking about hearing the word. Because you can carry a Bible all your life and not hear. So here it is talking about God is speaking. Jesus is speaking. If you read the parable from verses 5 to 8. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. It was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You know what's common? If the farmer, that's a sower, represents God, you know what this actual meaning of that, the core part of the parable is, if the farmer or the sower is God, it means he's speaking to everybody, irrespective of who you are. Whether you are the ground, the rocky soil, the path, the one that is overgrown with thorns or the good ground. But God is not a respecter of persons. He loves everybody and he speaks to everybody. That's the thing which we need to understand. It is not when he's comparing it as a sower, it is not that he went to that praying, fasting person and just sowed there and walked away. That's not what it says. It says he sowed everywhere. The word of God goes to everyone. He speaks in different ways. Speaks in different ways. The problem is very few here. But nobody can say God does not speak to me because simply it is not true. You should say, Lord, I do not hear. I know you speak. The whole of creation. 
declares you. Issues, Lord, I do not hear. In Matthew 13 and verse 16, after speaking the parable, he told his disciples this, Blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. Just your eyes are blessed. Your ears are blessed because they are able to see into the spiritual. The spiritual. We have to see into the spiritual when we read the word of God. We have to be able to see the kingdom of God, what it is. We have to be able to see. Our problem is people are not able to see. Not able to see. They are not able to hear what God is trying to say. Blessed are your eyes because they see. Blessed are your ears because they hear. In Luke 8 and verse 7, he says, Some fell among the thorns and the thorns sprang with it and it choked. He says, the issue is, there are so many things in our life that chokes the word of God. How did George Floyd die? Because he was choked. He was choked. If the officer's knee was on any other part of his body, he wouldn't have died. Now, this is one of the ways of the police restraining people. But that should be off the book. As simple as that. It should be off the book. That should not be one of the ways because it can lead to, but you no, know, when, when people become very violent, the, the police has ways of restraining. And one of the things which I learned as a very young boy is that they put the, 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 your thumb here. You know that? You push it down, you can't move. You can't move. One of my elder brothers showed it to me. And I couldn't move. <laughs> you know, there are different ways in which they can restrain you. They can restrain that little gap over here. They put their thumb in and it is like, oh boy, you see all the stars in daylight. No? Okay. So, now they are trying out at each other. <laughs> Jesus says, you know, there are a lot of things in your life that chokes the word of God. It gets choked. And verse 14 says, what are the things, why is this so important? Because we have to identify the things in our life which may look good, which may look bad. It's not just the bad things, the good things. Okay, outwardly it doesn't matter how it looks. You have to identify it and see these are the things can choke me from hearing the word of God. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who when they have heard go out and are choked with cares, with riches and pleasures of life. And bring no fruit to, fruit to, who are the mature? Those who are led by the Spirit of God. That's what it actually means, rios in Greek and technon, children, rios are those who are mature, who hear and obey and walk. They are not able to come to maturity because there are certain things in life that choke. See, the issue is these are spiritual noises. That drown out the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. These are noises. Can you hear any still small sane voice in the midst of the noise in USA or India? Can you hear any? 
any any voice first we had kashmir's special status taken off then caa then pandemic then the migrants trying to rush in the mess of it is there any voice is there any voice anybody is hearing that can bring this country out of this mess country out of this mess our mess will not be seen as big as the mess that will hit us because our mess is because we are a simple people who have learned to live with simple needs so we still can manage with one one meal a day sleep out in the open under a tree but in america it doesn't work like that it's a capitalist society where everything is made on money where they live paycheck to paycheck and everything is based on borrowing it's a nation built on borrowing it's a different kind of economics altogether a nation under god but financial discipline is completely outside of god so it's 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 a huge it's a huge and the problem is when this burning and looting took place most of the shops that are looted belongs to the black community and these are poor people and if you look at the previous ferguson riots and all those communities which were burned up they never came back they went further into poverty further into poverty they do not realize yes riots will come but the destruction and the consequences that follow will be for decades decades and people people don't even think people don't even people don't even think does anybody think what's happening hey wait a second my dear black americans take a second think i'm not a racist you can't call me a racist because my color is brown we had worse racism in india still there which is we call it casteism you had 300 years we had 5000 years only of casteism then ruled huge chunks of the nations ruled by muslim invasion and before that kings who just people were just chattel for them used and thrown these are stories and history which we cover very very nicely very very nicely even in small princedoms of little little princedoms of india's history if a man got married his wife slept the first night with the lord and not with him what do you call that what do you call that what do you call that when people who were below a caste you first divided the people into and if you are a woman belonging to that caste you were allowed to cap cover your lower but you were not allowed to cover your upper half because that was only given to the women of the higher caste what do you call that slavery <laughs> when did that stop in kerala what caused the outrage because a woman had to take a knife and cut her breast off and offer it as a this thing to the deity and then there was an uproar right it's like the ancient days when that saint was killed in the arena christian that poor old man that's when the whole thing 
people were conscious and people stopped of throwing people to the lions. You know, so you need to realize these things are there. But things have to be done in a way which is very peaceable. Very peaceable. These things doesn't help anybody. That's not helping. It actually hurts the black community. Let's forget America. What is the picture that is going across the entire world? About the black community. That they are violent. And they burn, they loot. They rob, which is not true. Every man under the sun, whatever his color, if he's not saved and the Holy Spirit doesn't lead him, he is violent. So some have only got better control. That's all. But the picture that's going on is, is, is there any voice? Anybody thinking? Why is that every city where the riots are taking fray from Baltimore to New York? How come the African American community is not taking a step back and thinking, wait a second, all these cities where the riots are going on and all the city where this abuse is supposed to be taken place are actually ruled by Democrats. Hey, hang on. Some cities as long as for 50 years. These are not taking place in red cities. These are taking place in blue cities. But that means you elected these people, right? So who is to blame? Who is to blame? Because you get what you choose. Most of America, other than actually looking at the TV and the picture, most of America, which is the countryside, the red, they are sleeping happily. There's no trouble there. There's no riots over there. And if there are blacks and whites, they are living happily together. There's no issues over there. Are you taking a step back and thinking what's happening in your nation? Because we are far away. We can look back and see very clearly what's happening in a nation, what has been happening in your nations. The Democratic Party is the new plantation. You need to realize. They don't want you to prosper like the politicians in India doesn't want India to be literate because they know if you have a people who think, then they will start questioning. What are you doing? So politicians thrive on ignorance. Ignorance. That's why they want to control the media because if you control the media, then you control the thinking of the people. And if you look at the media, all the media is leftist. All the media is leftist. And they have an agenda to keep people in slavery. The modern slavery. Modern slavery. People don't think. And ultimately, who will end up paying for this? The black community. It's sad. Because it's their businesses that have been burned down. It's their children who will be picked up. You think they will not pick you up? They will pick you up. And if they don't pick you up, isn't it bad for you? You broke into a store and you stole. You already have sold something in the spirit. Now the only way you can cancel out is by returning it. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. You have broken God's law. It will come back to haunt you all your life. And one man called Zacchaeus knew it. If I want to start a new beginning, I need to give it back. The media is sitting there and cheering. Do you know what you have done to these children? Whatever the color, whether they are white, black or Hispanic, what you have done to these children? You didn't teach these children? 
that you will not lie, you will not steal, it's somebody's property. Doesn't matter, you may not like them, that's irrelevant, it does not belong to you, you were never taught this. You do not take something that, you know what you have done to these young children? You have done to even if they are not caught, even if you change your laws so that they are sent scot-free, they are still not free. But there is another law that overrides every human law, which is called God's law, the truth. Thou shall not steal. Period. Do you know what's happening? This is how it happens. When? This is what we are talking about, truth. And how the modern system have taken truth as an absolute and gives it something as relative. Oh, this is what caused me to do that. That doesn't change anything, brother. It does not change anything. Change anything. Why are they not talking about social distancing now? You locked up everybody. Everything you locked up. Why is nobody talking about social distancing? Why? Because if pandemic COVID-19 is fatal. It doesn't matter what is causing you. You should be imposing that. Keep your distance. So, you're wicked. You're evil. You know why? Because 13% of America's population is black. But 36% of the COVID casualties are black. It's highly disproportionate to their population because certain races they have understood are more susceptible to this disease. And one of them is the black community. So who are the ones on the streets? Without maintaining social distancing, if you love the black people, you should be telling them, go in. You're more vulnerable to this disease than the others. Go in, children, go in. Don't die. For these people... These politicians and your leaders, you are just gun fodder. They don't love you. They don't care for you. They mean You mean nothing to them. You know what the term gun fodder is? This is from the old days when they used to fight. They used to send waves and waves of young people till the enemy finished their bullets. And then they told the next set to charge. So one whole set just died so the enemy could run out of bullets and they were called gun fodder. And that's what people are. That's what people are. And I get so angry because I don't see any black pastors standing up and speaking. Because they are so worried about their tax exemption. You know what happened? The casualties will go up. And nobody will even mention about it. Because if it mentions casualties have gone up, it will look bad on them, right? So they will not mention it is COVID-19. They will die. So evil people who are pulling strings from the back. But the question is, can you hear? When emotions run high, can you hear? Can you hear? Say, anybody there who will stand up and say, hey, hang on, I just really love you. That's why I said, you can't call me a racist. I'm not a racist. I've got orphan children. They're orphans and they're my children. And they're of every color, black, white. Arab, Chinese, they're all my children. They all call me Daddy PJ. They're all my children. I don't see them differently at all. There's no color at all. They're all my children. and All of them are orphans. And they keep... just Because there's no race in the kingdom. 
There's no race in the kingdom. The question is at an individual level or even at a national level. When emotions run high, we can't hear because the voice is very gentle. We may know the word by heart. We saw that, no? 8.14. We don't, we don't come to maturity. If we don't come to maturity, we cannot be led. Mature means to grow. So to grow in any area, any area in life, any area where God has positioned you, every area in our life, professionally, emotionally, spiritually, your relationship, every year, if you have to grow, every area you have to hear. God's children have to hear because it doesn't work the way the works for God's children. Any area in your life, if you don't hear. And the problem is, Emotions are usually connected with situations in your life and they clog my ears. That's what he's talking about. Cares. And you will say, oh, this rich man has no cares. But riches clog you. Oh, he's got the best of everything. Look at him. He's enjoying life with God's pleasures. Clog your ears. Luke 18, verse 22 to 23. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Rome, who this? This is a rich, young ruler. Absolutely good guy. Wants eternal life. So doesn't know what eternal life is. He thinks eternal life is to live forever and ever. He doesn't understand eternal life is to hear and keep hearing and keep hearing and keep hearing in God and grow in God. Because this is eternal life that you know God. He doesn't realize what eternal life is. And that's what Jesus is calling to you. You want eternal life. There's one thing clogging your ears. You know what it is? For you, it's your riches. Come, sell all that. Okay, sell it. Don't invest it because you will go back to it. In your case, you will go back. So give it away. Give it away. You will have treasure in heaven. Come. Come. Follow me. He heard it. When he heard this, he became very sorrowful. Because he was very rich. So telling every rich man to give it away. Because a lot of rich men, he doesn't even touch their hearts. They will give it away in a blinking of an eye. If God tells them. You see, riches clogged his ears. And he couldn't be the son of God who could be led by the spirit. You could never. So you need to realize there are things which you'll not hear. Solomon's ears were clogged by pleasure. He couldn't hear. What a waste of life. All he can write in his final years is vanity, 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 vanity. He's hearing nothing. Hearing nothing. Ears have been clogged completely. Hearing nothing. Well, his father heard till his last day. Absolutely clear. He's the one who goofed up. Put it right, came back. Ears are unclogged. Ears, 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 ears. Even gets the entire plan for the sons, the temple which his son has to build. Gave the plans. 
gathered all the stuff he needs to build. All he had to do is build. Everything else I have heard. Even here, who has to become king. Here's everything. And he did not allow his emotions to clog his ears. Riches to clog his ears. Pleasure to clog his ears. Cares. He had lots of cares. Because his family was a mess. He did not allow any of those to clog his ears. He says, what I cannot handle, God will handle. I'm not going to let those things clog my ears. He heard very clearly. So we need to realize every area of our life. It's not that in my prayer life I need to hear God says no. Every area of your life you need to hear from me. You may be a professional. <laughs> you need to hear from me. <laughs> you may be having a mess in your family. You need to hear from me. Spiritually, you may not be going anywhere. Your family may be okay. Professionally, you are successful. But spiritually, you're going, you need to hear from me. Because you're one whole. <laughs> Luke chapter 5. We see Jesus is coming there. He's going to preach to the crowd. And there's another multitude. And he's standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And there is two boats that are empty. One belongs to Simon Peter. He gets into it, pushes it. And then, scripture says, he preaches. Once he finishes speaking, he speaks only to Simon in verse 4 and 5. When he had stopped speaking, he said, that's interesting. <laughs> I love it. He's, when he stopped speaking, he said, how can you say when you have stopped speaking? He spoke to the crowd. Now he speaks to the individual. Now he speaks to the individual. Because God speaks to a crowd. But the words are actually aimed at the individual. He spoke to Simon. He said, Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night. We caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. question is, what if Jesus had not spoken to Simon? What if Jesus spoke and Peter didn't listen? You know what? That would have been his testimony. I told all night and caught nothing. You know why people labor and labor and labor and see nothing? It's because they do not hear. God says to his children, your life is different from the people in the world. If you want success out of your labor, it will only be because you heard. Otherwise, you will boast and say, I did. There's nothing that will be happening in your life when you stand before God is because of what you did. It's because of what you heard. Because I'm the author and the perfecter of your faith. What made suddenly Peter's labor incredibly productive and useful? Only one thing. He heard. Look at that. We have toiled all night. And Jesus says, let's go into the deep. Throw your net. How many minutes? Half an hour? We toiled all night. What did it take Peter to be successful? Here, how many minutes? You know how much he saved time? You know how much time we save when we hear God? Because time is a casualty. 
Because we are all, like I said, time is either your friend or your enemy. It's your friend if you hear. If it's your enemy when you do not hear. What happened to the foolish virgins? It was time. I, I'm, I'm absolutely sure because they are virgins, they did not waste their time in wrong things. Of course not. They spend their time in good things like Martha. Good things. Useful things. But at the last moment, when the final division, they came, they realized those good things don't stand. The only things that will stand are the things you did because you heard. And Mary is sitting right there and Jesus said, that one thing will not be taken away from her because she is hearing. That's hearing. Instead of hearing, he could have allowed his worries to choke the word. Cares? I didn't catch anything. Whole night. All I want to do is go, take a jug of wine, drink and go to sleep. That's what fishermen do. That's why the poor people all drink. Because every bone in their body is aching. We feel sorry for them. They work from morning till night. Then they go and they buy that quarter bottle. They drink, they eat, and they go to sleep. Next morning, they wake up and they sleep well. Because their whole body is hurting because of labor. And then this helps them. They sleep, they wake up, and they go back to work. This is their cycle. That's what Peter also would have done. Worked all night. Every bone is because fishing is painful. It hurts your body. It's not easy to throw the net and pull the net and throw the net and pull the net and row. It's not easy at all. Forget fishing, swimming itself, we who swim come out, we feel tired. We who baptize standing in the water for a couple of hours, when we come down, we are tired. Because standing half body in water, half body above water, we get tired. You know how much he would have missed. All that labor is in vain. You know, a lot of people are laboring in vain. Lives are fruitless. You know why? Because they do not hear. His emotions could have clouded him. And emotions, Lord, so angry. Anger is an emotion. So discouraged, it's an emotion. So depressed, whole night labored. Got nothing. Now, go home. Wife is there, mother-in-law is there. You know, his mother-in-law is there in his house. Got nothing. One more day, Peter. Simon. Caught nothing. He could have allowed anger, anxiety, cares, depression, discouragement. These are all various facets of emotions that cloud our ears. Cares of the world. Cares of the world we know, but the question is how does it manifest in your mind? That clogs your ears from hearing. And then what happens? We end up in life fruitless. So we need to ask, Lord, help me to hear. Irrespective of all my anxieties, Lord, I need to receive understanding for my situation. In his situation. What is, you see, God God is not teaching Peter to fish. Because we'll say after that he calls, he leaves, leaves everything and goes. He's not teaching him to fish. He is teaching a fundamental principle for every child of God. In every situation you face in life, I have the answer. Learn to listen. 
whatever your situation is. It doesn't matter what your situation is. I have an answer for your situation. And your situation, your job is to hear me and just do it. Sometimes it is throw the net. Sometimes it's go home. You don't have to do anything. Sometimes I will tell you don't need a net. You need just a fishing line. Why? You need to catch. In this situation, you just need to catch one fish. You don't need to catch a net full of fishes. One fish. Catch that one fish. You open that fish. In that fish, you will see your provision and my provision in that. Because you have to learn to hear very clearly. Imagine the second time he went with the first experience and he threw the net and he caught 150 fish. Because he didn't listen carefully, only obeyed half. Now he has to sit there and cut every fish to find which fish has the coin. And now what is he doing? He's wasting time. You know? And Jesus is very clear, even in his instruction. Go to the city, go to the town, you will see a donkey with a colt. There are lots of donkeys. No, a donkey with a colt. You will see it. Mother and which nobody has ridden. Very clear. Why? I'm not a time waster. I don't waste time. I create a time. And I don't waste time. Cornelius sent men. Where? To Joppa. Where? To the beach. Where? To the house of Simeon the Tanner. And call Simeon the Apostle, not the Tanner. He will tell you the way. Absolute clear directions. Why? Because when God is not clear, I waste time. And God gave me time. He said, I have given you only 24 hours. So you know why you waste time? You waste time because you do not listen to me. You hear and you run. That's the difference between a servant and a son. I no longer call you servants. Jesus said, I call you friends. You're my friends. Moses was a servant. Jesus was a son. And we need to hear. Because hearing is what gives purpose. Clarity. It brings clarity. It brings purpose. Very, very clear. A lot of people still are not sure about their purpose because they haven't heard. When you have heard, it doesn't matter what others is. What are you doing? Why are you wasting time? Danyavad, Prabhuji. I have heard. I know what I am doing. You don't understand because you haven't heard. And you should not be hearing about me anyway. If I have heard about what I should do with my life, your opinion doesn't matter to me. For Jesus, it did not matter what his mother said, his brother said, the Pharisees said, the disciples said. He had very heard, very, very clearly. Everybody is trying to dissuade him from what the father has told me. He said, no way, Jose. My father has told me exactly. And he has told me the time. When to do certain things. I'll go by it. Clarity comes when you hear. Acts chapter 26 verses 15 to 18. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose. To make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen, and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people, as well as from the Gentiles, to whom I now send you, to open their eyes, in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Kya Three lines. 
absolute clear clarity. Who are you? My minister and my witness. Who are you? I will make you a minister and a witness. Of what? Of what you have seen and what I will yet reveal to you. What you have seen, that's not enough. Keep your ears open because I will keep speaking to you. Keep revealing to you the mysteries of the kingdom of God. So be very careful. You have open ears. You have open ears. And verse 17. What I am planning to do. What is that? I will deliver you from the Jewish people. Don't worry. You will face hostility, but you will not die. You will not die at their hands. And he did not die at their hands. I'll deliver you. Well, I'll send you to the Gentiles. So even as he was going to the Jews, he also knows ultimately he will go to the Gentiles. What is the point? What is your purpose? To open their eyes. Turn them from darkness to light. From the power of Satan to God. Very clear. Absolutely, absolutely clear. And I'm sending them to you. And this is being said years and years and years and years of ministry later. Absolute clarity he had. And therefore he didn't waste time. He didn't waste labor in vain. He will tell in his letters, I did not labor in vain. Because it is hearing that brings clarity. Absolute hearing brings absolute clarity. And our issue is not that God does not speak. Our God speaks. Our issue is, we have to always see what is clogging my ears. Is it cares? Is it riches? Is it ease? What is clogging my ears? God rejoices in his children defeating their enemies. Remember the new covenant enemies are not flesh and blood. Enemies are spiritual. Because you can win over the whole flesh and blood enemies and be a loser in God's kingdom. Like Alexander. Total loser. Loser. Okay? So, it does not matter. Nebuchadnezzar, Dairy, these are all losers. They won over their enemies but lost ultimately before God. Because they did not. We are not talking about physical winning. We are talking about spiritual enemies we win. And the question is, how do you win? There's no way I or you will ever win over our spiritual enemies unless we hear. It's hearing that causes us to win. Absolutely, it is hearing that causes us to win. We know. After 16 months of goofing up in the Philistine territory, how did he win? Because he heard. He repented, went on his knees, went back to God, encouraged himself. I know you're a God who speaks. I'm the one who stopped listening. Bring the effort, Abhyatar, bring it. And God spoke. He spoke. Pursue, overtake, recover all. And he did. He heard. He recovered. In Second Samuel chapter 5, verse 17 to 19, we are given patterns from the Old Testament or New Testament patterns. Now when the Philistines heard they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David and David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. What is God saying? When the enemy sees there is an anointing over your life, he will come against you with more power. 
Just don't rely on the power. Rely on the person who gave you the power. The Holy Spirit is not just power. The Holy Spirit is a person. Be very, very careful. He's anointed. He's anointed. He said, I am anointed. Let's go fight. Then he went into his stronghold. And then, the Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. So, David inquired of the Lord. He didn't depend upon his anointing alone. I need to hear. Have an anointing. That I know. Have an anointing to defeat all my enemies. That also I know. But I need to hear from how to do it. When to do it. So David inquired of the Lord saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? Look at that. Shall I go? Will you give me victory? If you are not giving victory, I will stay in this stronghold. I have no ego issues over here. Let them say he was afraid of his enemies and sat in his stronghold for six months. I am okay with it. I will go to fight only if you will fight on my behalf and give me victory. So should I go? Will you give me victory? There is no ego issues with this man. Shall I go against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into man? And the Lord said to David, go. Go up. That's very interesting. Because verse 18 says, the Philistines were in the valley. And he is in the stronghold. The stronghold is up. The valley is down. But God is saying, go up. Not go down. Because when God sends you down for victory, you are going up and not down. Very funny, only God can use grammar like this. That you go up and you go down. Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them? So he's also asking that question. Should I go up? Go up for I was so the they are on one one what do you call it? Language. One language, yes. They both the son and the father speak the same language. Shall I go up? Where are you talking from? From Jerusalem. And looking down, shall I go up? And he says he doesn't say, shall I go down? He says, shall I go up? God says, go up. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. So David inquired. And you know, he won the battle. He won the battle. So we have a God who speaks. And because he inquired, he heard. And he had a great victory. Did the enemy go? No, they came back. Verse 22. The Philistines went up once again and deployed themselves in the valley of Rafa. He already gave me victory. No problem. No need to ask twice. The enemy is the same. Not David. Verse 23. Therefore inquired of the Lord and, and he said, shall not go up. This time, battle tactics are different, son. They are expecting you to come up. Go this way. But I will tell you, you circle behind them. Circle around behind them. And come up on them in front of the mulberry trees. And it shall be. Just don't don't run, okay, son. I've given you the plan, but wait for my time. He can give you the plan, and you can be out of time and face defeat because you step forward before your time. Before your time. That's why I pray. President Trump needs real good spiritual advisors. He's got advisors, but they're not really really good because what he did was fine, but what he the way they executed it was absolutely wrong. His advisors goofed up. Goofed up. You know why? He goofed up by 30 minutes. If I was his advisor, I would have told him, President Trump, go at 7.10, not 
go without your Bible. Don't enter the church. Stand outside. You're making a sign. Every religious place of worship in this country will be protected. It will not be allowed to be burnt. That's all you're doing. 6.30, you went. It was wrong. 7, you had gone. There would have been not all this junk you're hearing from the leftist media because at 7, the curfew was beginning. After that, if the mob was trying to come forward, they shot the tear gas. It is according to the law. You are 30 minutes early. Your advisors goofed you up. Don't trust them. Don't trust them. Everything they are talking about, if he had done at 7.10, nobody would have said anything. And when they apologize, it is all small. Maybe there was no tear gas. Nancy Pelosi. After Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi, everybody has said peaceful protesters were fired tear gas and the police is saying there was no tear gas. After it's all gone public, it was tear gas. And now the police is saying, but that is a small line in the next day's newspaper. By the time the media has spread it, peaceful protesters were tear gassed so that the president could go for a photo op. That's a lie. It's a lie. You got wrong. Half an hour later, it would have been a different story. You had the backing of the law, the curfew declared by the mayor of Washington, D.C., who is a Democrat, says curfew begins at 7. So you need to be out of that place before that. Get into your houses. And after that, the police have the legal authority to clear the streets. Even if they don't do it, they have the right. So you got it wrong. Okay. And why I said don't take a Bible? <laughs> because, dear man, Okay, the Bible you carried was not a new Bible, it is an old Bible, but I'm not sure you read it. I framed it up and said, yes, sir, it's a ton. It's not even a new Bible. I checked the Bible out. I couldn't make out which version it was. Because one of the things which I have done always as a pastor all these years is whenever people have called me their house for a Bible study, everything is said, I will check their Bible first. Because if they have not read their Bible, you have to give them the gospel and not teach them. It's as simple as that. So that is what I did with the old days in all the villages. And that's what I would do with President Trump also. I just enlarged and looked at the Trump. So they asked him, is it your Bible? He said, no, it's a Bible. He said, it's a Bible. It's not his Bible. His Bible is precious. It has a heritage of godly mother and the revival that took place in Britain. That Bible comes from there. I don't think he can. I wish he read it. <laughs> okay. But what I'm telling here is that, you know what? If you jump, go, and then you run without hearing the next plans. What does it say? The sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall advance. Everything has to be heard. Not advance. Advance quickly. Rush, charge. When do you hear? You will hear the wind on the mulberry. What is God saying? I will even use the wind to direct you in war. I will. This is all in my hands, son. You don't even worry about it. It's all in my hands. How do will I know when to march? Don't worry. Just check the trees. Look up. Keep looking up. When you see the top of the mulberry trees moving, till then it will be still. I'll keep it still. When you see it moving, you charge. Is this a God with clarity? 
God with clarity. What more clarity do we need? So our issue is not that God does not speak. He doesn't want to speak. He so much want to speak. And as parents, as a father, I know if my children came to me, I would talk. Even a two-year-old little naughty little Matulika could take hours of my life. And I finally learned multitasking, how to talk to her and how to keep working. And it doesn't bother you. Because you love talking to children. And a father loves talking to children. And when we are in the deepest trouble, he wants to help us. But the problem is either we don't hear or we hear half and we run. Then we goof off and come back. He said, I didn't finish my sentence. You ran before that. That's what God is talking about. God speaks. And when he did hear and pursued, he won. But when he did something, David did something, without seeking the Lord, without inquiring of the Lord, even if it was with the noblest of intentions, it went wrong. You know, bringing in the ark. <laughs> the intention was so noble. Absolutely godly intention. Preparations was out of this world. Problem, he didn't inquire. He didn't inquire. And he goofed up big time. So, God is not looking at my intentions. God is looking, did you ask me? Did you ask me? Did you ask me? You didn't ask me. And people have their problem. They don't ask. They just do. Did you ask me? Second Kings chapter 6 verses 8 to 10. Because God loves his people. And it doesn't matter who the king is. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel. And he consulted with his servants saying, My camp will be in such a such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. The king of Israel sent someone to the place which the man of God had told. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Where was the nation saved? Because one man heard. One man heard. And the king listened. King listened. The king listened. One man can be. God always sent prophets to Israel. But most of the kings didn't listen. They put them in prison. They didn't listen. One man heard. I once had told my wife, if I wish I could get Trump's Twitter handle. We'll write, we'll write more. But God gave him wisdom because he is a good man. The question is this. God wants to protect us. But can he speak? Can we hear? He wants to protect us. This is not a godly nation. There is Elisha there. The nation is not so great or this thing or anything. They are not they're walking in obedience. But God loves his people. He still loves his church. Because his son died for the church. He loves the world. 
One man heard and the king listened. But the question is, can we hear, will we listen? Like I said, when people are full of emotions, whether it is anger or misery or discouragement, even if God shouts, we don't hear. And then we have already decided in our emotions to sow in the flesh and reap corruption. The problem is destruction comes years later. Years later. Chill, we tell. Chill. Take, don't run. No, families, this whole 60 days was from all over. Families fighting. No. Husbands were going crazy because they couldn't get liquor and they were locked up with their families. Then they suddenly the things were going wrong everywhere. And what did we say? Hang in, hang in there, hang in there, hang in there, hang in there. Don't because you will say, yes, I can't handle it anymore. Yes. But remember, still hang in there, still pray your way through. Why? Because there are children involved. Children involved. Hang in there, hang in there. The problem is we can get used to the change we made because of a decision we made in our emotions and that change becomes the norm when it is not the norm in God's eyes. And that's what happens. That's how they say how to kill a frog. Put him in the water. Hot water he jumps out. Put him in the water. Put him on sim. They die slowly. You make a you make a decision in your anger or whatever emotions of this thing. You pull out of your family. You pull out of church. You pull out of your job or whatever you do this thing, and you go out. And after some time, you are in a different setup. And after some time, if you are comfortable in that setup without even realizing, you are dying slowly. Your children are dying slowly. You don't realize it because this situation is now. You got comfortable to it. You got comfortable because that temperature now permeates into your consciousness. That culture now, whatever is you are hearing there, and you got used to it, and you don't even realize this is not the norm. This was the norm. This was the norm. Because you didn't wait. That's why we have to be very, very careful. We have to be very, very, very careful. We are not put under pressure by our circumstances. Yes, it will be there. And that should not get into it. That's the mistakes Abraham made. Every time Abraham made a mistake, you will see it was only because they didn't inquire of the Lord. It is famine. Should I go? He didn't ask. What a goof up. Ten years in the promised land. We don't have a child. Wife is saying this. Lord, what do you say? He didn't ask. Then God says, I'm going to give a son. No, please bless Ishmael. He didn't ask. He's not hearing. Why he's not hearing about Isaac? Because his emotions are all with Ishmael. What he can see. His, his heart is not able to see what he cannot see. His heart is entangled with what he can see. That is Ishmael. But God says, that's your feelings. That's not what I have called. That is not through whom the nations will be blessed. That's your work. This is my work. You're not able to see. And how many good men and women 
And us, all of us, goofed up because we didn't hear, we didn't inquire. Israel lost its first battle in the promised land because Joshua did not inquire. He did not inquire. And the same city he overcame when he heard. And God gave him exactly the battle plans what to do. Why did Elijah run? Because he heard the voice of Jezebel. He didn't wait to hear the voice of God. Yet, three and a half years, literally, and before that also, God was training him to hear his still small voice. Yet, at the most crucial moment of his ministry, he did not hear and he ran. And he goofed off his ministry. Emotions overwhelmed him. He ran. And how many years Israel will be in this status quo? Because the one man who should have heard did not hear. He heard the voice of flesh and he ran. Forty-three years or more of living in tapasya, in the wilderness, training to hear the still small voice of God. And then he heard and after everything he did, his emotions got over him. And he was disqualified from entering into the promised land. He heard. He heard. But he didn't listen. Hearing and listening are two different things. He heard, but he didn't listen. Speak to the rock. His emotions got over. He didn't listen carefully to what God said. If he wanted, he could have raised his voice and shouted at the rock. That still would have been okay. But he hit the rock. cost him. When God speaks to us and warns us about our enemies, it's to give us victory. (laughs) It's not to defeat us. He wants to see that we win over all these powers of darkness. But remember when he speaks to us, he also speaks to them differently. He doesn't speak to them with the same voice. So when he's speaking to us and if we listen and obey, be very sure he's speaking to them too. It's not only that we hear, they to hear, but they hear completely different. And what causes them to hear causes them to panic and create confusion. Now that's exactly what I'm praying in America. Lord, please, please, Lord. Let him control his Twitter handle, let him control his words, but every time something happens, it will only create more confusion in the ranks of the enemy. Because we, both sides says we are fighting for the soul of the nation. I don't know which soul they are talking about. Joe Biden comes and says we are fighting for the soul of America. What soul are you talking about? To without any license, kill all the babies? Every kind of vice and sin under the sun to give them freedom. Bail reform where nobody is even held in New York. Everybody is being released who have been arrested for looting. We'll be all released. Is this the soul of America? I thought it's a, a different soul it had. Two people are fighting for two souls. And the question is, which soul do you want? Which soul do you want? So one side hears peace, then God speaks. All my 
plans for you are to give you peace, hope, future, victory, not defeat. But the other side it is panic and confusion and defeat. Joshua chapter 10, verses 9 to 11. Pictures from the Old Testament, what happens in the spiritual realm when we hear from God and pray accordingly. Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. So the Lord, who? The Lord, routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes to Beth Horon, struck them down as far. Actually, verse 10 is talking about the Israelite army, but it is mentioned as the Lord. It's God who is fighting for them. God is fighting for them. But they are the ones who are fighting. But they have heard and the anointing, the power, the angels, everything is there. But God is not satisfied with their uh, victory. You know what he does in verse 11? When it happened as they fled before Israel, now Lord and Israel. Okay, Israel. And we are on the descent of Beth Horon that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Hezekiah. And they died. There were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. You see? What they heard, what the enemies heard, was different. It's not the same. When God speaks, we should hear words of peace, words of correction, words of comfort, words of strength, words of protection, words of rebuke. That's all is okay. But the enemy, when we obey the Lord and listen, the enemy hears words of confusion and panic and destruction. When our God speaks, 1 Samuel chapter 7, verses 10 to 11. You see, whenever there is a man who hears from God, the enemy comes. Now, as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. They thought Samuel was like Saul. They didn't realize this is a different man who hears and God is with him. But the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day and was so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. Can you believe it? He actually did it. We imagine the Philistine camp is over there, right about their heads. There is a thunderclap and a light because these are the things these people worship. These things worship. God says, I will use the things which you worship to destroy you. And the men of Israel went from Mizbah and pursued the Philistine and drove them as far as below. That's enough. Destroyed them. But who, what are the sound of God in their midst? Thunder. Job 40 and verse 9. Four zero. Four zero. 40 and verse 9. Have you an arm like God? Or can you thunder with a voice like His? His power and His voice. Just Selling karo. Do you have a voice like you worried about these voices of your enemies? Pooh, I said they'll all go away. Are you worried about your enemies? Do you know who I am? Do you know my voice? Do you know the power of my arm? No, his voice is like a voice, like a thunder to his enemies, and he whispers to us. He says, Do you hear? That's what the lesson he taught Elijah. You know Elijah? You goofed up. 
Even when you were listening to the voice of Jezebel, I was speaking to you. You didn't hear me. Because you were looking for thunder and wind and lightning and fire. I was speaking to you. Don't run. Stay still. You didn't listen. You didn't hear. You didn't hear. He says, I thunder to my enemies. I whisper to you. Psalm 29, verses 3 to 9. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian like a young wild ox. He says, do you know how my voice works differently? The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, everyone says glory. He says, do you know how my voice works? With you and with them? On one side all the trees have fallen. The branches are all falling. It's the voice of the Lord. On this side, the deer is giving birth. Both it's my voice. He says, I birth and I destroy. I speak peace to you. I speak destruction to your enemies. But will you hear my voice? Will you hear my voice? He says, your trouble is not your trouble. Your trouble is that you don't hear me. And when you hear me, you don't hear carefully. And you don't listen carefully. Why is this so important? Because only when we hear can we fight and win. So they fought. They fought in the Old Testament, and they won. We don't fight like them. We speak. We don't fight. We speak. Romans 8, 26 to 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray as we ought. But, the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the spirits according to the will of God. He says, you know what? Does your prayer become proclamation? Do you allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you? That's where the victory lies. Your victory lies. When you allow my spirit to speak through your tongue. Because I do everything with my voice. But I want you to surrender to my spirit where your tongue speaks my words. And when he speaks through you, he speaks exactly according to my will for you. That's my will for you. That's what they understood. This is how Jesus came out. And he preached. He went. He preached. And the disciples understood. That's what they are talking about in Acts chapter 6. For you know what? Two things we will not separate. The ministry of prayer and the ministry of word. We'll hear and we will speak. And we'll allow us to be instruments through whom God speaks. Exodus chapter 4 verses 11 and 12. The Lord said to Moses making every excuse under the sun. God said wait a minute there. 
Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go and I'll be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. Go. No, no, 13 we don't need. 11 and 12. Now go, I'll be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. Don't worry. That's what God is talking about. You will hear and you will speak. So the question is, can God keep speaking to us? Can we keep hearing? Because if we do not hear and see, how can we speak? Because we will ultimately speak what we see with our fleshly eyes and what we hear with uncircumcised ears. That's why we need to hear. Otherwise, how will we see? Because whether you like it or not, Proverbs 18 and 21 is there. It does not change. That is set law. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will hear its fruit. Who are those who love it? Are those who hear and change their verbiage, their language, their confession, their proclamation accordingly as what they... So the question is, if we don't hear... How will we speak? How will we speak right? Exactly. It is not uh, memorizing scripture and confessing it. It's not that. It's not that. Yeah. It's not that. It is speaking what we hear from God. That's all. Jesus did not memorize scripture and when the devil came and tempted him, he did quote the whole Torah. The Holy Spirit exactly told him which to speak. Deuteronomy 8, 3, son. Okay, father. That's it. He didn't argue, Lord, Deuteronomy 8.3, how does this agree with the context? <laughs> what you say is the sword of the spirit. No, in Bible college, I was asked to preach according to context, Lord. God says, my text is your context. Just speak it. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. We need contextual preaching. Please don't misunderstand me. We need it. Sometimes people have no context at all. That is how the prosperity gospel has flourished. No context. You know. So we have to hear before we can speak. That is prayer. Prayer and speech should go together. Matthew 12, 22. This is one of Jesus' miracles. Then one was brought to him who was demon possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him. So the blind and the mute man both spoke and saw. Read that again. All my one, two, three, four, five sons. What do you see? Yes, he spoke first. But what is the order there? The order is not. He was blind and mute, but he spoke and saw. You have to speak first. That is how everything. Even if you mouth is shut, then you can make no proclamations of God. Because God created everything by the word of his mouth. He was blind and mute, but the order is he spoke and he saw. Spoke. Because if it is saw and speak, you know what people will interpret? I believe because I see. No, I believe. And therefore I speak. And therefore I see. 
I don't believe because I see. He spoke and he saw. Maybe it is a fluke. Matthew 15, 30. 15, 3, 0. Great multitudes came to him having with them the lame, the blind, the mute, the maimed, and many others, and they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Again, the order is blame, blind, and mute. And he healed them. Let's go to verse 31. Has God changed the order? So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking. First is speaking. The maimed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeking. It doesn't matter what order it is there. It is your speech that is first. Speech. Speak, God says. Because we cannot change these things. I have to hear before I can speak. And his own son had to hear and hear and hear and hear and hear. And then he came out and he spoke. And everybody marveled at his speech. They did not marvel at his hearing. 30 years of hearing for 3 years of preaching. He heard, he heard, he heard. And every day he went up to hear. This is what we need to understand. Jeremiah 33 and verse 3 as we come to the end. Can we hear? Can we see? Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. He says call. I will show you. I will speak to you. Shall we go? This is NKJV, right? Let's go to NIV. And then let us go to NLT and then go to a message. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. NLT? Ask and I will tell you some remarkable secrets about what is going to happen here. Message? Call to me and I'll answer. I will tell you marvelous and wondrous things that you could never figure out on your own. Hmm? You know what God is still saying? He says, will you come? Please listen. Will you just come and spend time with me wasting? Don't wait, labor in vain. Don't labor in vain. Will you just please come? Put away your emotions. Make right things which you need to write. The cares of the world or the riches or the pleasure that choke the world. Get rid of all that. Will you just come sit with me and hear? He says, you have no clue the kind of stuff I will tell you, which will make your life so easy. So simple. And so many things of life you have no clue. I wish, oh, I wish. President Trump had one man beside him who could speak to him, who hears and speaks to him. Because it's little here and there where he's goofing up. Everything the enemy has, he has thrown at him. And he's still standing there and standing pretty strong. But he makes a little mistake. Like I said, 30 minutes made a lot of difference. He shouldn't have taken the Bible. He should have taken the Bible. There will be things which he did. Which you should have told him. Just stand over there. And when he spoke, he would have said that. I'm making a statement here. All houses of worship, irrespective of religion, is out of bounds. You don't touch it, you don't deface it, you don't burn it. Once he has said that, that would have sent a very powerful. What they picked on was on the Bible. 
and the, then the people who are listening all the people who are listening the criticism came immediately the bishop of the episcopal church and all the the rector of that particular church was very here and there uh, surreal and all kind of junk he was talking about he was not coming to the point and the bishop was saying my church he disregarded it and all kind of junk she was talking about okay now a lot of christians will side with her let me tell you people who don't see let me tell you the reaction from one set of clergy they are not clergy by the way okay the bible is very clear there is no right reverend there's only one who is highly revered all these right reverends take it out of your name you are neither right nor reverend there's only one who is right and one who is reverend second the bible is very very clear i do not allow a woman to have authority over man because the woman was created after man jesus got timothy in paul goes all the way to creation all the spirit takes so how did he become a bishop second is in your church that ordains gay clergy so you are not actually christian you are liberal leftist wolves in sheep's clothing to divide the community of christ i can what are you going to do to me you won't give me a visa i don't want to come to your land <laughs> i'm not bothered by anything what you take me off youtube you take me off youtube doesn't does that mean that uh, my messages will not go forth i worship a god who is not dependent upon youtube or google you read the book of acts you will realize he was not even dependent upon transport but what has to be spoken has to be spoken there is an entire set of clergy who have made what called god called an abomination has the norm in their churches norm in their churches and their voices are all the media will say the religious bbc cnn nbc religious leaders opposed trumps what these leaders Who are these leaders? You don't fool us. One prince from the British family got married to an American actress. She broke the royal family and she came out. And now we don't know where they are hiding. Because riots are going on, no? Right? A wedding was celebrated. Everybody was going on. And they called their favorite bishop to come and preach. Who was that? The same bishop. Bishop Curry. from the episcopal church why because they ordained gay and he was talking about love and love what love are you talking about that's why grace and truth has to go together come on bishop curry i want to ask you can you stand before god and say i'm talking about the love of god which allowed his son to die to save people from their sins and not die in their sins can you stand before god and say that's the love you're talking about and if you are talking about the love of god how do you allow the abomination i call it the norm You don't fool us. We know where you come from. You may fool a whole part of uh, Christian crowd. You don't fool us. We know how to balance grace and truth. And while you were preaching, and while you were preaching about love and swaying, and everybody going gaga, what a nice! Nothing about God there. All about love. It is not that God is love. It is that love is God. And what was the camera panning? The cameras were panning like our Russian does, panning nicely into the crowd and focusing on whom? Elton John and his husband. So they understood what this message was about. So using a royal wedding to put across your ideology, which is an abomination to God. You don't fool us. You don't fool us. You don't fool us. 
Christians, can you hear? Can you see? Can you see through all this junk that is happening? Can you see? I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about those who come as Christians and clergy with round collar and their suits and all. Can you see? Some of them are so passionate. They will come in their yellow trousers, pink coat and white shoes and all passionate. Can you see through this? Do you understand the day that is coming? Yes, Trump made mistakes on that day. The second mistake was not that that, that he went to the uh, John Paul II Pope's uh, memorial anywhere. He should have gone there. He went there. It was a good move. But one thing I'll tell you, President Trump, don't ever go to these places where there are statues of men or women or anybody and kneel. You don't kneel. You kneel before God. You never kneel before any man's or woman's statue. We don't do that. Don't kneel. You made a mistake. There, if I were you, I would stand there because that was his anniversary. And people went all crazy over it without realizing what he was doing. He signed an executive order about religious freedom, which affects all of us. Affects all of us. There's only one nation who will stand up for the freedom of religion around the world. And on that day, he signed and he picked up that day because John Paul II was one man, if any man, religious leader who was responsible for the breakdown of the communism. It was President Reagan and John Paul II, the political leader and the religious leader. He was the first pope to visit a communist nation. And when he went to Warsaw, everybody knew communism was over because the people came out in their millions and that's where it started cracking. Then like nine pin balls, they all started falling, 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 falling before you knew communism was over. So to celebrate that day and to celebrate and say the whole world, like he will bring, see America can again bring sanctions. That's why all the nations are always scared. If the Congress and the president comes together, even our country will be careful. Because once they sanction a nations, you know the entire banging system stops. Okay, and that's the only nation which, and they do it for all religions. I'm not saying only for Christians, all religions. Every religion should be allowed the freedom to speak and not be persecuted. Every religion, that's a God-given freedom. It should be a public space of ideas. My idea and your idea, choose which you believe. It should be there. No persecution, no hostility, no violence, nothing. Choose which you believe. It should be like Paul. Different. Stand there. I want to preach. You hear the imam. You hear the Hindu priest. You hear the priest. You hear the pastor here. And you choose. How come we are allowed to choose everything in life, including the clothes we wear, the toothpaste and brush, we are not allowed to choose our religion? Which is the most important part of your life which will determine where you end up in eternity. We are allowed freedom to choose everything. One thing we are not allowed to do. So freedom of religion is a fundamental right. And that was the executive order he was signing. And Christians are one set of clergy against him without realizing the order he signed you is the very order that will protect you. And no president will do that other than him. That's why even though he may not pray and he may not go to church and all, I approve of all his policies, almost all his policies, is because he has always stood with the people of faith and not against his virulent radicals who burn and loot their own community. Their own community. Let me ask you this question because you're all young smart men. Barack Obama, Michael Jackson, Ben Carson, Lee Braun, 
or LeBron, and then give me black athletes' names. Kobe Bryant. What is common about all these people? They're successful, right? Because they are successful black, does anybody discriminate them? No. You're not the only thing that matters in the world is success. Nobody cares what the color of your skin is. You know what Trump is trying to do? He was trying to make the black community successful. No president in their history has raised more black people out of poverty before the pandemic came in. Because once you're prosperous, nobody cares what the color of your skin is. Any field, nobody cares. That's what success does. Ultimately, you will be known as a man or a woman who achieved something in life. Nobody cares. Kobe Bryant or Michael Jackson and all. Michael Jackson had millions and millions of white and black and brown and yellow and Arab and every fan. Nobody said he's black. Poor fellow tried to become white with all the coloring he did. Does anybody talk about these things? So that's what a government should do. Give the freedom to people to make their own choices and protect. That's the First Amendment and the Second Amendment. Right? Protect that. And second, create an environment where everybody prospers. Isn't that what God exactly told Israel? Listen to my voice. Obey my commandments. You will be prosperous. And when success comes, we say in English, nothing succeeds like success. And to the black community, we have one thing to say is that November 3rd, 2020, go vote Trump. He will make you successful. He will make you successful. And if he makes you successful, nobody even bothers about race. You'll all walk together because everybody loves a successful man, whether it's white, black, brown. And everybody looks down a man or a woman who does nothing with their life. Then you will end up looting. That's the sad part. That's the truth. That's the truth about it. And somebody has to stand up and speak and say, hey, hang on. This is what we need to do. The question is when God speaks, can we see? Can we hear? And that is exactly what God did with Israel. He's told, I did not pick you because you are smart. I didn't pick you because you are intelligent. I didn't speak you because you are large. I didn't speak you because you were strong. I picked you because you were nothing. You are a nation of slaves. That's America's issue, right? Slavery. You are a nation of slaves. Now I'm going to show to you, if you listen to my voice and obey my commands, what God can do with a nation of slaves. Does anybody call Israel a nation of slaves now? Nobody does. That's what they were for 500 years. You're talking about 300 years. They were for 500 years slaves. A nation of slaves. So don't look at your racial past. Don't look at any of those things. Look up. Look up and be saved and say, you know what? God is not a respecter of person. He doesn't look at the color of my skin. He looks into my heart and says, "If do I believe? He looks into my ears. Do I hear? Are my ears circumcised? Are my eyes open? That's all God is talking about. Anyway, it's irrelevant whether you are Indian or American or African or Chinese or father. He says, you just come to me. You're my son. You're my daughter. There's no color of skin over here. So we need to pray. 
And we need to make our prayer points. Lord, deliver me from everything that is choking and clogging my mind, my ears from hearing you. Help me to hear, O Lord, so that my labor is not fruitless. Break down, burn down from the root everything that brings no fruit in my life. Because your word says it is to your glory that I bear much fruit. Everything that is of rebellion, of disobedience in my life, destroy it, O Lord. Lord, help me to hear, lest my enemies triumph over me. Triumph over me. That's where David won over every enemy, because he heard. Lord, help me to hear that I fulfill your purpose in my life. I have to fulfill my purpose. And pray. As a, as a people, pray for that one president who is still there, one leader who can change everything, for some time at least, change everything. I don't know who he can trust. He's like David. He can't even trust his family. I don't believe he can love it. They are all leftist radicals in his family. I don't think he can trust anybody. He cannot trust his administration. How many of them are from the circle? He doesn't know. Setting him up. All the time setting him up. He doesn't know. He needs one man. He needs one Jonathan. Who will speak to his ears. Like David. One Jonathan to speak to his ears. And there is a Jonathan who will speak to his ears. Just listen to him. And God will bring him out. And when he bring him out, he will give us another window of time to preach the gospel. We are not looking for prosperity here. We are not looking for success here. We are looking for prosperity in heaven and success in God's eyes so that we can get as many people into the kingdom before the end comes. That's what we are looking at. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, this morning we just come to you. We look to you, Lord. I pray, Father, even us, Lord, even us, give us hearing ears, open mind, that we hear, we know what you want us to do. What do you want us to speak? And above all, we love man. Every man, every color. There's not even a one single racial bone in our in us. That we know in Christ there's no color, there's no race, there's no division. It's only one nation called the holy nation. One race called the human race. One people. Baptized into one body. And one source of power. Your Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, there will be a breaking down and a pulling down of strongholds that we will hear. Hear, listen, obey. That we will have clear purpose and our labor will not be fruitless. And I pray for President Trump, Lord. I pray, Father, you teach him to be still before you. Still before you. Still before you. That he hears. And he will give him the spirit of wisdom who to hear and who not to hear. That not only he will make the right decisions, the right moves, also at the right time. And all that the enemy does against him will just fall to the ground. For I believe for a time and a season like this, you have placed him there, Lord. No weapon that is formed against your church will prosper. 
Every lying tongue that rises against us in judgment, we condemn it in the name of Jesus. All the arrows of the enemy will just go back to them. It will not come near us. It will not harm us. For you said, you yourself will be a wall around Zion. Protect your people. I pray, Father, protect President Trump from all the attacks of the enemy. Every plan will fall to the ground. We may not hear it, but from heaven, Lord, thunder against your enemies in the spiritual realm. That there is panic and there is confusion among them and they will flee. And we will see captives being set free on earth. That's what you always do, Lord. For your first words in your hometown was the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to set the captives free. Let there be liberty. Let it be freedom in the house of the Lord, Father. To hear, to believe, to obey. And we will see a lifetime of fruitful labor. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.